0: Well, you're very kind. You're very kind. It's a great, great privilege, of course, for us to be with you at this auspicious occasion of your 35th anniversary. And uh, as I'm looking, of course, at uh, what has been accomplished here, and look at uh, the the film clip, and uh, all, realize what, what little role we really have played. We were here for the initial years. And, uh, but the, all the, the most wonderful things have happened through the good efforts and, and labors of those who followed us. And I'm very, very thankful for Ashley Crane, and, uh, but most of all, I think, to the Khalees for the long decades that they have put in doing a very exceptional work here. It takes more than just a messianic arsonist to come along and start a fire it uh it takes the people are going to stay by the goods and bring things to full fruition and uh thank God for what uh, they have done i'm i'm so uh, so privileged as well to to have with us today um uh the 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 auspicious ranks of the assemblies of god yeah. I remember uh, uh, pa- Pastor uh, Jerry and, and uh, Joan Stewart pastoring at Bethpage when we first came, and uh, they were always so supportive and encouraging along the way. And after their years went to different uh, pulpits and continued in their support and goodwill towards us, we've always appreciated them so much. And of course, the Rainers are uh, presbyters here in Long Island, so Thankful for their support. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen him on, uh, have any other expression except a big smile on his face. And it's such it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful brother. And, uh, and uh, Paul Krauss, uh, thank you for the good work you're doing with all the intercultural folks. It's a vitally significant ministry. And, and we, we've been colleagues for a lot of years. And it's a privilege to have you here with us today as well. And looking out, I see so many people that we've known through the years going back into the early, um, uh, yeah, the early uh, 80s. And, uh, and look out remember so many experiences we've had, so, so many good moments in God, so many struggles, so many things we labored through. And uh, to watch how God has worked in your lives and developed you and really brought you to a place of grander expression in Him is a delight, is a, a delight. Uh, and it's so wonderful to know, as I, as I look out and I see the faces of so many to see what God has done with you over the decades and how He continues to use you, it's very, very rewarding indeed. And uh, I, I have to say just one thing. Uh, um, I, I just want to say a special thanks to my wife, Kasiani. Nee. She, uh, she has followed me all over the universe. <laughs> next, uh, next month, or I guess in, in, in August, well, she doesn't like me to say how long it is, but I'll tell you. We're, we're married 48 years <laughs> next August. And, uh, but as we look back now, um, I, by the way, I just appreciate so much the hospitality that the Khalees and, and Salads have been showing us these last days and how everybody is so gracious uh, to us. But I think back 35 years ago, uh, when we started a Bible study in and, and South hopog and some of you here I know were attending, so the Ackermans back there were, were part of that group that came and attended that early uh, Bible study. We moved from there into a basement. I remember we put together several hundreds of dollars and, and uh, renovated a basement in a Maureen evenson's home and uh, used that for services, and then outgrew that, moved to the Ramada Inn at exit 57. Some of you will, will remember that. Then uh, we um, uh, Cassini and I we were gone for a year and then came we were studying in Springfield, Missouri, came back. and the congregation moved to Stony Brook. We were there on the old B'nai Yeshua property for some period of time before we moved into Port Jefferson Assemblies of God. And then finally, God spoke to us. It was time for us to get our own facility. And We appointed a committee, and God spoke. And I remember, some of you will remember, that when God spoke, suddenly faith sprang in all of our hearts, and we had to have... of the money up front because nobody would lend us anything, you know. We had to have 50% of the money up front, and then the owner of the property would would serve as the bank for a three-year mortgage. We said we've got to have half the money, and we have to have the other half in pledges so we can pay things off in three years. And God gave us the money in two weeks. Yeah, Two weeks. And some, some of you were, were part of that time when we went and we said we've got to have, uh, we have to have a day's salary committed every month for three years in addition to whatever you can put up front. And uh, we burned the mortgage. You saw the picture of it. We burned the mortgage in less than three years. And it was just an indication of the faithfulness of the congregation here. And uh, we were on the, the road to good things ahead. So... Um, uh, I, I, I'm not going to repeat what, what Cassini has said about our kids, although I love to talk about our kids and our 14 grandchildren. I will just say this. They're all doing really, really well, and they all live within two miles of us. So I've got 14 grandchildren who come over and go swimming in the, the heat of Arizona on a regular basis. Um, uh, I, I've had the, the special privilege in recent years to uh, work along with my regular Summers of God appointment teaching at uh, the King's University. We, we've been spearheading the Messianic Jewish Studies program at the King's University, which is Jack Hayford's program, started in Los Angeles, recently moved to Dallas. And uh, uh, we've been directing that program for eight years now, have a full, uh, fully accredited bachelor's, master's, and doctoral program. We've now graduated several people in Messianic Jewish leadership. And I've decided that it was time to step aside from that after doing it eight years. We're bringing in another person to take over. I told you I'm a bit of a Messianic arsonist. So we're bringing in somebody else to come in and to spearhead that program. And I'm going to be putting those energies into the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute which is a school a program based out of Dallas designed to basically launch Bible colleges in Jewish communities uh, across the world. And so uh, we have involvements. I'm, I'm the vice president of the, the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute, writing the curriculum now for a fully university-level bachelor's program that we want to ha- find full accreditation for. In uh, Buenos Aires, uh, we, we just returned from Buenos Aires. where We were ministering there in the Assemblies of God Bible School and in the uh, MJBI there. In Zimbabwe, where we found the Lemba people who have the Jew, this Jewish heritage. We're starting the program also uh, on, a, on a university level in Addis Ababa among the, 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 uh, uh, the uh, Falasha Mora that are there still resident in, in the country who are believers. We're leaving from here on Tuesday, going to Israel. We're going to be working with those in Haifa, who actually are eager, very eager, for us to come in and work together with them, in, in a Messianic Jewish Bible Institute in Odessa, Ukraine, uh, where that program is continuing on to, to reach out in Russian across the world, and uh, we're just so pleased. With the, way the, with the way God has opened doors for us to continue to serve and to minister and expand the good news of Yeshua in Jewish communities everywhere. And along with these things, I have the wonderful privilege of still serving as, as the National Jewish Field Representative for the Assemblies of God in the U.S. missions and, uh, and work very closely, of course, with, with, with the Khalees in terms of the National Jewish Fellowship. So we're just so proud of them and the fine work that they do uh, representing you here. So um, now, um, the, the rabbi said to me, uh, I asked him, what, what time are you going to give me uh, the pulpit uh, today? He said, it's 12.15. Uh, I said, oh, good, because uh, that means I, you know, I can go till 4. Uh, now it's, it's, uh, it's uh, already one twenty two, so I'm going to make my remarks uh, briefer uh, than I otherwise would have, but I would like you to turn, please, to uh, Matthew chapter 24, and I want to talk for just, just a few minutes today about something I think is very, very important. As I, as I prayed and thought, what do you say coming back to a congregation after so many years? What, you know, I want to come back and say something eloquent, you know, something impressive, something memorable, something that, that, that comes up to the occasion somehow, uh, but uh, I, I, really, I have just a simple message, a simple thought, and I hope that's all right, and it probably is in light of the time frame that we have here. But uh, I want to speak today about dark days, dark days and uh, birth pangs, dark, dark days and birth pangs. We are living in dark days, are we not? And uh, it seems as though things are only going to continue to get darker for some period of time ahead of us here. In fact, we're not quite sure what is going to be happening, but it, right now it doesn't feel very good looking forward. And uh, these, are, these are dark days upon the American scene. These are very dark days upon the international scene. And I am suggesting that it is really a season of birth pangs In other words, there are great things that are on the horizon, there's great victory down the road, but in the meantime, we may be in for a real battle, and we've got to be primed and ready to stand firm in the midst of the battle. And so I want to read a couple of lengthier passages today as as prelude to my short remarks. If you'll turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter chapter 24, verse 3. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Yeshua answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many Will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things, are merely the beginning of birth pangs. So he tells us in verses four and five that there are going to be many misleading messianic personalities that are going to come along and pretend as though they have the leadership capacity to bring, the remedy, uh, bring remedy to the world's problems, and that many will be uh, tempted to follow such false leaders. He says to be cautious. I think he's admonishing us to keep our eyes squarely upon Yeshua himself. He is the God-anointed leader. He is the one that we should all be following. All of Israel, all the church, really all the world ought to be following him. And so we need to keep our focus upon him. But he tells us in verse 6 that there will be wars and rumors of wars. I just read last night that they're predicting there'll be a great cataclysm between a China linked up with Russia against the United States in the 2020s. And I think that there can be many kinds of uh, international crises on the horizon. God only knows what's coming down the road. I think it's important for us to remember that these are signs of the time and that we need to keep our hearts and minds in the right place. He, he tells us in verse uh, 7, that there are, um, there's going to be international turmoil, famines and earthquakes. And you're fully aware of all the famines and earthquakes and, and the international crises that uh, have come to us now. Beginning in verse 9, Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time many will fall away and will betray one another And hate one another. Many false prophets will arise. And will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end. Will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. As a testimony to all the nations. Then the end will come. And so he tells us here that the time will be when we will be delivered up to be killed. We will be delivered up to be killed. And I, I am, I'm sure you're aware of the fact that we're losing somewhere around the world now. About 1,000 or about 1,100 people a day are being martyred for their Messianic or Christian faith. Around the world, over a thousand people a day are being martyred for their faith, and uh, God only knows what may happen in our own horizon down the road. Here, I mean, it's really, it's really impossible, I think, for us to imagine it. It's, it's, it's impossible for us to vision to envision it because the whole uh, meta narrative, the mega narrative of who we are as a people, uh, precludes that possibility. But I don't think. It's as far off as we would suppose. But in any event, it's happening already around the world. And people are dying on all fronts. And uh, Christians, certainly Messianics, are hated universally. He tells us in verse 10 that there's going to be a great falling away. A falling away suggests that people once stood. But those who once stood then fall away from the faith and enter into betrayals of one another and uh, hate one another. And uh, those who do not stand firm in the Word of God but begin to think as the world thinks can also then take, take opposition to the people of God as the world does. And there will be false prophets, he says in verse 11, who rise and mislead the people. Verse 12, he says, there will be lawlessness. I think we, we are recognizing a, a, an obvious trend toward lawlessness even in our own society. I mean, uh, we can't really re- rely on our own justice system. We can't really rely upon the courts to make sound decisions and to make assessments or judgments or or, or they can declare things that are right or true or, or, the, or the law of the land. That really stands the universe somehow on its head. I just want you to know that if the day comes that the Supreme Court of the United States outlaws gravity, it won't make any difference. It won't make any difference. No matter what the court says, gravity will... And there's just some things that cannot be changed by the stroke of a pen. And we need to stand for what is right and true and holy and consistent with the Creator and we'll always be in good stead in that case. Um, but the love will grow cold because people will be lawless and they will side with a world that is in opposition to God. They'll begin to think like the world. They'll begin to imbibe the worldly system uh, and, and, and become co- uh, cosmotic in that sense or worldly. in their defiance of God and their love for God will grow cold in the process. Uh, they will justify sinful living, but he tells us in verse thirteen that the one who endures to the end will be saved, which suggests what one who en- does not endure to the end suggests will not be saved, so there is a there 's a great reason here to be to, to hang in there to be true to be consistent with God and the things of God in order to indeed make sure that you are saved and that you do not experience alienation from God uh, down the road. He tells us in verse 14 that the gospel will be preached universally and then the end will come. But look with me now at verse 27, Matthew uh, twenty-four twenty-seven. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. So Yeshua is indicating here that his own coming will be sudden. We won't be able to somehow entirely anticipate it. We won't be able to say exactly when it will be, but when it happens, it will be so fast, and suddenly he will be here, and it will be upon us, and we'll have to deal with it. I tell you what, when he comes, I want to be ready to deal with it. Verse uh, 32, now learn the parable from the fig tree, when when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. But the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that uh, Noah... Entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And so, he suggests to us here that uh, the, uh, the era, the time frame, the, the environment will be very comparable to the way it was in the time of Noah. No one was putting a lot of stock in what Noah was doing, everybody thought he was a little bit crazy talking about a creator who was going to bring judgment upon mankind, it was much more convenient for them to create their own deities or make their gods say and believe the things they wanted their gods to say and believe. And they were a universe in rebellion against God, very much like our society that is an open defiance of the Creator. Uh, it's a society that is telling God to take a hike, we're not interested. A younger generation that is increasingly atheistic, pretending as though there is no God at all so that they can go and do whatever they jolly well please without any sense of accountability. I tell you what, Yeshua is coming and judgment is coming. And so he tells us that um, uh, when you see these things, recognize that he indeed is near. This generation shall not pass until all takes place. His word will not pass away, and there will be, when he comes, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, um, I would like you to also look down to uh, verse 42. Therefore, be on the alert... For you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. I would like you to uh, just skip down with me to uh, verse 48. But if the evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time. My master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards. So the master of that slave will come in a day when he does not expect him and in an hour when he does not know And will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I think it's important for us to realize that um, we need to be on guard. We need to be ready. We need to be primed. We need to keep our spiritual focus. We need to be ready for whatever comes because dark days indeed or on the horizon. If you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, I want to read some verses there. I'm sorry, 2 Peter. Beginning with verse 3. 2 Peter 3:3. 3, 3. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at the time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of godly men. But do not let this one uh, fact escape your notice, brethren, beloved, that with with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. And the Lord is not slow about His promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but but for all to come to repentance. I mean, the reason judgment has not already fallen is because God has this passionate love for human beings. It wants to save as many people as He possibly can. Now, if God is so engaged in expressing mercy and anointing believers for the express purpose of spreading His kingdom and bringing others to reconciliation with God, shouldn't we be actively about our Father's business? Shouldn't we be fully cooperating with Him, walking in His anointing, sharing the good news, and bringing all of Israel and all others back to the Creator Himself? And so He says, Therefore, brethren, in verse 17 of uh, 2 Peter 3, You, therefore, beloved knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you you are not carried away by the air of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. We live in an unprincipled, lawless society. We must not be caught up in their way of thinking. We've got to come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, To him be glory, both now and for the day of eternity. Amen. And so, here's here's what I want to to just share very quickly. I'm going to give you five things not to do. All right, this is sort of my, my, some some might say, uh, not exactly legalistic, but I am going to give you a do and don't list, okay? Things not to do. First thing, not to do is do not join in the rebellion against God. Do not join the social rebellion against God. Do not become a part of the lawless way of thinking as though God has no prerogative to be God. As though he cannot speak or affect his judgment. He's entitled. He's the creator of all. He is the master of the universe. He is the king of all peoples everywhere. We don't make Yeshua king. He is the king. We don't make him Lord. He is the Lord. And the world has to wake up to this reality. They need to come to their senses. And and as a part of that, we must not become distorted in our thinking. If we imbibe the world's nonsense... And we begin to think like the world because we're constantly submerged in the media. We're constantly submerged in, a, in an evil philosophy that defies God, defies the Creator. It, it can begin to distort the way we think, the way we perceive things. We must have clear vision. We must see straight. We must keep our focus upon the Word and the counsel of God. And we must not defy God's order of the universe. He has made it what he has made it, and it's up to us to submit to him, not to recreate God. Not to make God into what we want him to be, but accept the, the real God, the God of the Bible, and yield to him. Second thing not to do, do not depend upon worldly means for your survival. Do not depend upon worldly means for your survival. Now, I know there's an awful lot of talk these days about buy gold. Oh, price of silver is going up. Don't put your confidence and hope in gold or silver. Don't put your your, uh, sense of security in your stock or in your investments. I'm not against stock. I'm not against investments. I'm against you putting your faith in them because they may all collapse in an instant. It may all be gone, and the day may come when a bag of gold buys a piece of bread. Don't put your, your confidence in real estate holdings or lands. Don't put your confidence in a higher education, thinking that that will surely see you through. Don't depend upon your, your business acumen. Don't Don't... Just absorb the trends around you, adopt the fashions of people around you, or buy all of their IT toys, and somehow that will see you through to the end. Don't depend upon the world and the world system for survival. And I would say thirdly, um, I, I wouldn't be overly anxious to become a prepper or a survivalist. I mean, I know there's a lot of you know, stockpiling things these days, people storing water and finding ways to be secure when the, when the power grid goes out and what they will do during the 18 months that may be required to resupply the American people with energy and nine-tenths of all Americans will die during that 18-month period and so forth. And so people are uh, invested in uh, water storage and Building private wells and uh, building foodstuffs and getting all kinds of dried goods. And of course, a lot of people now are trying to load up all kinds of guns. You know, we have enough guns and and ammunition or, or generators. Listen, listen, Yeshua is our salvation. Yeshua is our salvation. We need to have our hope in Him, not in guns, not in generators. He is the generator of all life. He is the preserver of all life. And we are, are, live We live and move and have our being in Him. So, fourthly, do not be given over to, to religious fads or religious gimmickry, such as things as you might find on television or hucksterism. Or don't, don't, don't uh, be conned by those who would try to engage in some kind of charismatic magic. Charismatic magic. Magic, you know, is an anthropological term that is basically manipulation of the deity, manipulation of the deity. And I, I would say that we are not in the business of trying to get God to do things for us. God is not our servant. We don't give him a shopping list and tell him, go for it. Our responsibility is to get, for him to to be able to speak to us and we obey him. We do what he tells us to do. He says, if my word abides in you, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you want and it shall be done unto you. Because we're asking for things that are consistent with his desire. He wants us to be uh, servants with him, but... But um, run the other way from, from those who are try to dupe you out of resources for some kind of religious fantasy. You make sure that, you're, that you know what you're doing and you know who it is that you're trying to support. There's all kinds of idolatrous gimmicks out there now. You need to guard yourself and guard your resources. And fifthly, I would say, uh, do not... Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. As if to say, you know, it's all going down the drain. I'm just going to have a good time and be done with it. That's not the right thing to do. I'm going to give you rather a list of things that, that you should do. And where is my list of things that you should do? we are. Uh, Two categories of things that you should do. And in the first category, I'll say, um, let's get back to basics. Let's get back to basics. In other words, here's something to do. Focus on God's interests. Focus on God's interests. What did Yeshua say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So if you seek to bring profit to the king of the kingdom, he will take care of you. Secondly, learn the word of God. My people perish for, for hunger, there, there's a famine for the Word of God. You look across America today, there are all kinds of millions of people who profess faith in Yeshua who are ignorant of the Word of God. Eat the Word, drink the Word, consume the Word, memorize the Word, have it embedded in your person and mind, have it branded on your inner, in your inner heart. And the, word, and the Spirit of God will take the Word and use it for His glory and praise. Participate in study groups. But beyond that, have your private time with the Word of God. Where you get along with God, the doors closed, the lights on, beaming on your Bible. And as you say, God, Spirit of God, teach me your Word. And God will show up and He will teach you His Word. And you'll grow and be energized by it. And memorize the Scripture. Memorize the scripture. You, thirdly, we you need to worship God. I really appreciated the worship service today. And the focus of so much of the liturgy was really designed to bring one into the presence of God and just be lost in the presence of God. So wonderful and, and very unique in many respects. Um, but engage in group worship. But, but beyond that, find your place Where nobody else is, it's just you and God. And go in there and say, God, I just wanted to tell you how much I love you. And begin to worship and bless the name of the Lord and watch how He will come and visit you. Watch how He will respond, how you'll feel His embrace. And you'll build that that sense of worshiper and the one who is to be worshipped. That bond that there is between you. That's the kind of thing that's going to see you through dark days ahead. The fourth basic is be led by the Spirit. I mean, does that sound a little bit corny or old-fashioned? But what does the Word of God say? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We need to develop an ear to hear the voice of the Spirit. We need to be able to follow Him and go as He speaks to us, uh, be ready to take any action that He calls upon us to take, walk in harmony and consistency consistency with Him. And it's then that we really enter into the full range of His law. It's then that we really are in submission to God and, and doing His bidding. For, uh, fifthly, then, um, in terms of back to basics, be empowered by the Spirit. Be empowered by the Spirit. The 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 reason God gave the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the first place was to embolden us for witness. God is not interested in you just having a a sweet time in the prayer closet speaking in tongues. He really wants you to be touched by the Spirit of God and have unction to speak forth the Word of God to other people. That's the basic gospel. All of us are to be prophetic spokesmen, bold witnesses sharing the good news. That's what God wants of us. Which brings us to the next point, being used of God. We need to effect reconciliation to God. Remember that Yeshua, to Him, was vested the ministry of reconciliation. And that messianic ministry given to the Messiah, He shares with us. He gives to the messianic believers that same ministry of reconciliation. Why does he endow us with his spirit? So that we can help others to be brought back into a right relationship with God. We need to be open mouthed and walk in the anointing of that. And I'll just say finally in, ter- in terms of back to the basics, exercise faith. Hello? Believers are supposed to be believers. <laughs> yeah, We're supposed to be people of faith. We're supposed to be people who take action. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If we just sit on our hands and just wait for him to return, uh, we're not expressing or engaging in much faith. He's always going to call you, if you're a believer, he's always going to call you to a new faith challenge. There's always going to be a way that he's stretching you. There's always going to be a new way that he wants to use you, something you didn't anticipate or expect. But he will do it if you give him an opportunity to use you as you exercise faith. So, back to the basics. Um, Focus on God's interests. Learn the word of God. Worship. Be led by the spirit of God. Be empowered by the spirit of God. Be used of God. And exercise faith. But then finally, um, things to do. Second category, develop and maintain Intimacy with God. Develop and maintain intimacy with God. Um, These are dark days we're in, and they're not going to get any better anytime soon. We should anticipate things getting darker and more difficult. This is why we have to be closer and closer to the source of all life. We have to walk in harmony with our Creator. We have to be empowered by His Spirit. We want to have time with Him. Remember that Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah 31 that the new covenant would come. And, and with the as being members of the new covenant, what happens? The Spirit of God writes His law upon our hearts and upon our minds. Yes? Spirit of God imprints the Word of God on in our inner man. So we should be allowing the Spirit of God, to write His law upon our hearts. And Jeremiah tells us that all of us are to know the Lord. Remember, no more spectator religion. We don't just come and watch uh, rabbis uh, Michael and Carol do the religious shtick, and we just join in the music. It's an engagement now where we all know the Lord. We all are to know Him, have personal, intimate relations with Him, and get on with the service of serving Him. What did Yeshua say? Learn of me. Learn of me. He's he's giving you the opportunity to learn of the King of the universe, the Creator of all things, the One who put all of the stars in their places in the sky. The scientists tell us that there's a billion stars in our galaxy. A billion stars in our galaxy and that there are a billion galaxies. And the Bible also tells us that God calls every star and every one of those galaxies by name. His authority is universal. His law is intergalactic. He's the Lord of all glory. And he says, learn of me. And he also then speaks to us and says, follow me. I was in my son's congregation. We were there last Sunday. Jonathan preached the message, and he brought out a point I thought was brilliant. He said, listen, God's not interested in having a fan club. He wants followers. And I think when we look across America, I think there's an awful lot of people in congregations that are real fans of Yeshua. Oh, they think he's terrific, you know? They think he's terrific, but they're fans. They're not followers. Yeshua says we are to be followers. We are to take up our cross and follow him. He invites us to die with him. Yeah? He invites us to die with him. We die in the arms of the the universal creator. But in the process of all that, we live in this intergalactic reality of of the law of God. We, we, we're not confined to, to a, a photographic image of the Word of God, which we kind of find in Torah, just a glimpse of the eternal law of God. We're not limited to a, a, a legal code of 613 laws, although we certainly want to be respectful of those 613 laws. But, but we want to be in, in, in cooperation with the spirit of the law, with the law of Yeshua. And I'll tell you what, the Spirit of God has a million laws. He's got billions of laws looking for opportunity for expression. That's why we've got to be walking in the Spirit with an ear to hear the voice of the Spirit. And He speaks to us on an ongoing basis and tells us how to live and move and have our being. We're not antinomian. We're not lawless. We walk under the authority of the Spirit of God. We walk un- under the auspices of Yeshua the Messiah, the creator of all. And then, I just say, that as we do these things, if we, if we walk according to the basics, if we, if we don't just go along for some sort of a, a charismatic or messianic ride, but we get on board with Yeshua, and we have the Spirit of God working in our lives and we're developing this intimacy with God, growing every day in Him as a follower of Yeshua, we'll be ready for any dark days that come our way. We'll be able to stand firm and shine bright for His glory. And people will be able to see His light reflected on our faces and give glory to our God and Father in heaven. Thank you for the privilege so much of being with you today. It's a great honor to celebrate anniversary number 35 with you bless you
1: amen. what a good word amen when he says oh where, where's my things to do i'm like oh we can't lose that list because we know we're not supposed to do but we need that list so that was uh, very very good um we're getting ready to uh close the service here and um I just want to invite you all to please stay. Uh, We have a a nice lunch that has been prepared. I want to say thank you to all of you who worked and are working upstairs and behind the scenes, uh, the leadership group and others that have volunteered. Uh, It's not just my husband and I. It's never a leader. We say this, you know, if the congregation is to go because of us, it's going nowhere. Uh, We're just a part of the team, and so we have a lot of people working and helping and uh, so uh, we just want you to stay because that's part of our celebration and a, a nice lunch and a fellowship and uh, maybe reconnect with some people uh, who you haven't seen in a while and make some new friends. That's a good opportunity to do that. So before we close with the ironic Benediction, I want to ask Pastor Rayner to come up, and he's going to speak a blessing over Beth Emanuel for the best that is yet to come. And uh, so I just would like to invite him up to speak a blessing for us, and then I'll close with ironic Benediction, and my husband will sing it, and then we'll just give directions about logistics on how to get upstairs and things, so but we want to just welcome Pastor Rainer to come and to speak blessing prophetically over Beth Emanuel for the best that is yet to come.
2: beloved, can we stand before our Lord and our God? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, in the name that is above every name, the name of Yeshua the Lord Jesus Christ the one who saved us through your grace Father a grace that comes from mercy your mercy we thank you for the living word the eternal word that became flesh and dwelt among us so that he might become the Lamb of God so that this afternoon and this day we have been able to partake of the living word of God how we thank you for your great faithfulness. Oh, how faithful you have been for the past 35 years to this congregation. We have heard the testimony of the faithfulness of your shepherds After 35 years of faithfulness Beth Emanuel continues to be the garden of the Lord the vineyard that has been kept by the faithfulness of your servants we have heard their voices this day Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for the call that you have placed upon this congregation and upon each and every one that serves and will continue to serve. Truly, Lord, this day has been filled with such gratitude and thankfulness for what you have done. We have been brought into your presence and the door has opened to the portals of heaven and we have experienced heaven in its glory. In the manifestation of your Holy Spirit, we have been ushered into the upper room once again. And we've experienced the movings of your glorious presence in our midst. And we ask from this day forward, as you tarry, as you continue to call us to serve and win the covenant people of of Israel Jew and Gentile we have heard the message that stirred our hearts from our beloved servant of yours may this congregation Continue to be moved in your spirit and by your spirit and for your spirit to win some, as many as will come, as many as who will receive the glorious gospel of the living Christ. Come quickly, Lord. Come quickly, Lord. In your time. But we shall continue to do the work that we've been called to do. Being equipped by you, Holy Spirit. By you. We shall speak the word anointed by you and see glorious things continue to happen in your church and specifically in this tabernacle Beth Emanuel bless your people bless your people as we continue our celebration our jubilee it has been good to be with the beloved of Christ this day. Amen and amen.
1: service with the benediction. I'm going to recite it, and my husband and the worship team is going to sing over you. And after that, again, we want to invite everyone to join us upstairs. Uh, you know, uh, uh, for our guests here on the front row, there are two tables that are reserved. One of our ushers, Fred DiCresenta, will make sure you get to those tables. Uh, and then, uh, uh, everyone else can fill in the tables. And we have a, one, our youth room. We set a couple tables up in there. Uh, Beth Emanuel people, if we have to stand, we're good at doing that. Okay, and so uh, we want our guests to find a seat first, and we're all going to be seated, and uh, then we'll uh, call tables up to to the. Um, Food, <laughs> to the buffet food. Uh, it'll make it easier so people don't have to stand and wait uh, and things like that. But again, we just ask all of you to stay. There's plenty, plenty of food and again, just to so, uh, continue to celebrate with us all that God has done uh, the last 35 years here at Beth Emanuel. And so we welcome you all to please stay and join us up on the mezzanine. So, uh, uh, and uh, after the Aaronic benediction, one last thing is a uh, if you have a child that is in the nursery or downstairs, uh, please go immediately to, to pick up your children. They will not be released uh, unless you pick them up and they allow our workers to uh, you know, also participate uh, in the rest of the celebration. So we appreciate that. So uh, God asked uh, Moshe to uh, speak to Aharon and his sons and to, say, to, to tell them this is how you are to bless the people of Israel. You are to say to them, Yevarech Ha'adonai, May, may Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you be blessed of the Lord. My husband's just going to sing this blessing over you, and then we invite you to join us upstairs.
3: And